0: if a brand is honest about a, um, an imp- a social or environmental kind of challenge that they're facing, um, if they're honest about it, customers are either going to trust you the same or actually trust you more. So what's really interesting is now the risk of, of being, of hiding a sustainability challenge that you have, um, that risk is higher if you don't talk about it than if you are actually transparent and honest about it. Customers are likely to trust you more if you are open and honest about it.
1: Welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear one aha moment after another. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows nearly enough about. In fact, this wave is so well hidden by the negativity in our media landscape that I'm calling it a conspiracy of goodness. Yes, It is still an amazing world out there. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you are a part of it. You are probably a giver, a doer, a helper, the idea person in your circles, and you're probably always pointing to what's right with the world. So our guests on the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast will help you with ideas and inspiration, and you'll just generally walk with a spring in your step from the ideas that they're bringing forward. Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of the mothership of this podcast at a giant global website called the Goodness Exchange. At the Goodness Exchange, you'll find thousands of articles that we've written over the last 10 years about all the goodness and progress that's out there stuff that's just not rising to the top of our news feeds but should and we're going to start with a, a, a thought leader interview today that is i think at the leading front of this effort to make the world a better place that many many of us want to be a part of we're going to talk to hannah pang hannah has an amazing bio she's worked for companies uh well she's been the head of the uh the marketing and advocacy for for Futura. She's been on the steering committee of the UN Fashion Charter for Climate Action. She's worked with um, startups and global corporations like Tommy Hilfiger, Google, Capital One, Pfizer. And now she is the co-founder of The Now Work, a platform that connects people who want to do work that matters to world-changing work that is out there. You know, there's a disconnect there. We ordinary people who want to do good work in the world, something that harnesses our unique talents, we can't always trust that what we find on LinkedIn or or uh, any of the uh, of the pl- job hiring platforms is going to truly lead us to work that matters. The network is creating a framework for connection between people. And organizations that need their help in whatever niche and then there's of course this ripple effect that will go out from our work to progress that goes out across the scope of time so welcome hannah pang
0: thank you so much i'm very happy and excited and honored to be here thank you for the introduction
1: oh well i tell you um, when i discovered your work i really thought um <laughs> i really thought ah at the Goodness Exchange, we had always wanted to create a jobs board that does exactly what you are doing. And I thought, ah, oh, now I don't have to launch into this uh, this other crazy world that I don't know anything about. I'm telling you, you guys really have a concept that I, I think most people and most organizations are are just so ready for. Talk to us about, about the, the now work and, and what you think is possible. Let's just start there.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I would love to. Um, So we are pretty new as an organization. We only launched in November of last year, and it really stemmed from quite a clear need that Laura and I saw. So both of us come from a a sustainability consulting background. That's where um, we met, was working together. Um, Both of us had, had to hire freelancers in the past doing our agency work. Um, both of us also then spent quite a lot of time freelancing ourselves. And we just noticed a need for, or I guess both of our experience was that this type of work and these types of projects, we were getting them um, through existing networks and they were kind of happening and being passed around closed WhatsApp groups of, of other sustainability professionals. And we just felt given the urgency of the challenges at hand and the need for this type of work, we need way more people to have access to it. and So we thought, okay, let's create a central hub where um, independent sustainability experts can go, freelancers, advisors, people who want to be doing more impactful work, like a go-to place um to be able to find those types of projects which we know are impact oriented sustainability led um and those credible projects kind of what what you've spoken about as well as um the projects that we're getting in are from organizations um who have their sustainability strategy they need that extra support because what we're seeing so often as well on that on the client side of things is Sustainability teams can often be quite small and they're responsible for quite a lot. Um, so, if we can help um, to reinforce the work that they're doing um, by getting them access to um, kind of more technical carbon reporting experts or creatives and copywriters and designers who are so well versed in these issues and know how to talk about them, um, if we can help support sustainability teams by bolstering their expertise with the independent experts that we have on our network. It then enables their impact within their own jobs, within their organizations um, to actually be able to to happen. So putting two and two together, the people who have the expertise, they know um, what needs to get done and how to do it, and pairing them with organizations who have the work to do, but they need more support or more specific expertise to do it. And putting those two things together um, is what we've been up to for the last seven or eight months. Um, And it's been great. It's been really interesting um, to connect those things together. Um, I think as well from both Laura and and my background, really working with the organizations to understand and do a bit of consulting ourselves to um, scope out what is the Project. What work needs to get done? How can we also help our clients even before we match them with talent to really look at what's the bigger kind of impact opportunity that you have here? Are you doing the right work? Are you thinking about this in the right way? Are there some um, kind of steps you may have missed in the process that we can just help highlight and connect you with the people who can kind of bring you up to speed to where you want where where you want to be? Um, is yeah, what what we've been doing?
1: Okay, so what I see is like you know, the, the the great resignation, whatever you like mm. to call it, that happened during the pandemic. What, the, you know, the resounding words that almost became cliche was, you know, I, I need to have more purpose and meaning in my work. And of course, you know, that is <laughs> part of the work-life balance problem is that if your work doesn't matter, or it's just, just a crappy work environment, you're going to feel like you have a bad work-life balance. And but what I hear you saying is that there—that if you have the heart to do something amazing, it could be large and small, but you have the heart to do it. Um, you're taking people who have these unique skills related to sustainability or interests, and you're connecting them with organizations who may have a short-term need or, or may have, you know, just not the capacity to fully embrace the whole sustainability. Uh, movement of things, right? Is totally. that the gist of it? Yeah, okay. that's
0: exactly it. And I think just to pick up on a couple of things there, the other, I suppose, piece of this, and, and we talk about the Great Resignation uh, a lot, um, and how the whole world of work is actually shifting over the last couple of years. And that's something that we hear so often from our community is loads of people were part of that great resignation they left their nine to five jobs and that's why they've ended up now doing kind of independent uh, freelance work Um, and what's really interesting that we've also been exploring a lot recently is trying to dissect and, and um, understand that a bit more as well, because I think um, often in the sustainability space, we are kind of sold the idea that if you're doing work that you're really passionate about, then, you know, that's that's enough. You should be happy. So why are we seeing such huge levels of burnout in sustainability? Um, and it, it's a few reasons. I think there's the normal um, kind of usual type of burnout that we see across across different types of jobs of just um yeah, kind of 20th century management styles just aren't really working for humans anymore. So, you know, there's that kind of burnout as well. And then for sustainability professionals in particular, I think it can be, um, yes, a very... um, Kind of exciting and impact-oriented, purpose-driven space to work in, but if you're working within an organization where you're tasked um, to look at the impact of that organization, looking at how can you reduce the negative impact and find opportunities to make a positive impact, but if that then isn't aligned with the overall business strategy or the business objectives, then they're being asked to take on a task in which they're not set up to succeed. So how can we um, kind of support sustainability teams and independent or sustainability teams within businesses um, by kind of taking some of the weight off of their shoulders, kind of boosting an an energy injection with some uh, independent experts or or freelancers to help support the capacity that they have. Um, But the other thing that we're really looking at as as a business overall and what we're researching and looking into is. Um, How are sustainability teams within organizations, how can they be better um, set up and organized uh, to enable them to do better work themselves, too? And how um, can we help design new processes, systems, interaction models for those sustainability teams within organizations to get more support from the rest of the business, too, um, so that they are actually able to deliver the work that they've been tasked to, to take on.
1: You know, you're making me think of a conversation I had um uh, with a a very high level um, executive in a big corporation in this world that has something to do with gardening, and um he was saying we were talking about packaging um the 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 fact that it's so so hard for these big corporations to get packaging that is recyclable or reduced packaging. reduce the plastic, all that. And what I realized through that conversation was that he actually had a very tiny team on this. Like you and I, and most, many, many consumers think that corporations have the ability to really focus and double down on things like packaging that, that totally matter. But actually I I came away from that conversation saying, oh my God, he has maybe like one guy in the back room who's carrying, who's doing all the work here. So are you talking about you know, some kind of a bridging sort of a time period here where corporations know they must care about sustainable practices, but they don't have the organizational systems to really throw their weight behind it. So this this kind of works to just get the whole thing going in the new direction.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that's a really good question, a really good um, insight from that conversation that you, that you had. And it, it's something that we're seeing as well as because sustainability teams are so small but tasked with a lot. Um, how do we better enable them through um, getting outside help and expertise? Whether, yeah, it is expertise or just more capacity, but maybe they don't have um, the kind of budget or resources to bring on more full-time hires, that's mm-hmm. one thing. And then the next thing is, how do you then enable the rest of the business and the rest of the organization to actually help them deliver on the strategies that were that they've built? And that's something big that we're seeing in the sustainability, corporate sustainability space overall. Most big organizations have their sustainability strategy. That's kind of been a big focus of the work over the last few years in the sustainability space is looking at um, what's the impact that we have and what's the plan to kind of reduce the negative impact and increase the the positive impact. Um, But now that the strategies are built, it's all about execution and actually operationalizing on the strategy. So what that will require is the sustainability teams to um, collaborate and work with every other department of the business, and also for every other department of the business, to increase their knowledge and upskill in sustainability. And we sometimes see some relatively dry sustainability training to be rolled out across the rest of the business, um, which only gets you so far. It does really require kind of a complete um, new understanding of kind of the vision and purpose of the business. And the role of leaders within big corporates is huge in this space to really say from the top down, this is a priority. This is kind of us re-looking at our entire business strategy and embedding sustainability within it so that sustainability no longer becomes something that one small team is responsible for but it's spread out across everyone's kpis across the entire business and a lot of our um, expertise within our network then can plug into the various teams to help support them on that journey of operationalizing their sustainability strategies Mm.
1: And that really is important that from the top down thing, you know, usually Mm -hmm. we like to, to say everything has to start from the bottom up, but this has to start from the top down. We did a fabulous interview with Andrew Winston. Um, It's episode number 122. And we'll of course have this in the show notes and so much more, by the way, anything that Hannah and I talk about are going to be in these extensive show notes. We write an article to surround this podcast interview. But anyway, this is Andrew Winston. He's written a book, he's co-authored a book called Net Positive with, um, with Paul Pollan, who was uh, the, the CEO of Unilever for many, many years, when this whole movement to get the biggest corporations to get that they have to change was just starting now it's a really a really going thing and i can see that what you guys are doing fits perfectly with what andrew talked about is happening in the corporate world right now is uh we just need to kick start things to <laughs> go the other direction and you know doing that from scratch without ex- external folks coming in in a project-based way would be almost impossible who do you how do you know who to hire how do how do you we who are seeking jobs know the company really cares
0: totally i think i mean i I will say um just as part of um kind of the good positive ethos um of the podcast i will say most um kind of big corporates now um are well on their way when it comes to sustainability so they have their strategies they have their roadmaps and now it's really looking at okay, let's take action, let's execute, kind of the UN's calling this the decade of action. Um, So we have the plan, we know what needs to get done. It's just really about the doing now. So um, we need kind of more hands on deck from folks who have this expertise to just make it happen now. Mm -hmm. Um, So amazing work has been done over the last um, couple of decades, especially over the last couple of years to really drive progress in this space, we're seeing some really interesting examples of how brands and businesses are really truly kind of embedding sustainability um, into how they're working. Um, a really great example is a brand called Faith in Nature. They've put nature on their board. So nature now has um, a vote in all of their big board decisions um, Kind of. Big companies like Caring, uh, which is the luxury fashion house brand, they've set a goal to decouple um, their growth as a business from their climate impact. So, looking at how do they keep growing as a business while reducing uh, their impact. So, um, this isn't to say kind of we are starting from scratch. We're we're kind of continuing on a really positive journey that corporates and businesses have been have been taking. And now it's really looking at how do we further enable them to really transform into businesses that are fit for the future, um, rather than kind of solely focused on kind of fixing issues of the past.
1: Mm, it's so true. Okay. So I have to ask you about this little factoid you dropped on me. You said people want change and express it through their brand choice. Yes. Now, I've been talking about something called the gratitude economy that's, that's evolving for, Oh, about four or five years now. And it goes so much towards, towards that notion that um, that the statistic that I always quote is that 64% of people self-identify as values driven consumers, meaning they'll spend a little bit more if, if a brand is making the world a better place. So talk to me about that whole notion that, um, that, That brands can, this can be a total win for brands to start executing on this sustainability thing
0: totally and i think we've seen loads of re- like similar research kind of reinforcing the one that you just shared as well as people really want brands to help them live a more sustainable lifestyle when laura and i were at futera we were a part of some uh, consumer research that we did across the us and the uk and we found that 88 percent of consumers want brands to help them live more sustainably so we are really i mean we live in a brand-centric business-centric world, and that is how we express ourselves, it's how we express our values, it's so embedded in our day-to-day, and we are looking for help from the brands that we love in our lives to help us live more sustainably. However, that same piece of research found that 43% of consumers feel that brands are making it harder for them to live sustainably. So We just see this as a massive business opportunity. Your customers want your help to help them live a more sustainable lifestyle but they see that you are, or they feel that you as a brand or a business are currently making it harder. So if we can help move bin- businesses along to look at, okay, how can you as a brand operate in a more sustainable way? And also how can you equip and enable your customer to live more sustainably as well? That is just a massive opportunity for for brands who want to have a place and a role in the future um, lives of their customers.
1: Yeah, I I, I tell you that, um the the uh andrew winstons insights really made me think it's not about if it's about mm. when if, Love that. if i mean the brands it's happening just, they will cease to exist if they don't embrace this you um you quoted a a little something uh, also you said 64% of millennials and gen z say they're activists by brand choice yeah i never really thought of it like that that's so huge
0: Totally. I think we see um, more and more young people, but I think this cuts across demographic. People know that a lot of the... Um, structures, systems and narratives of the world today just aren't working for people or for the planet. We know that we need a change um, and we definitely see how we can express our desire and demand for change through the brands that we support and bring into our lives. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting stat that shows when we're demanding change as citizens. We often are turning to the brands within our lives, the ones we support, the ones we follow, the ones we subscribe to, the ones that we buy from as part of our demand for change. Mm.
1: Okay, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to talk to talk to Hannah about all kinds of new ways to think about this process of work and sustainability and where it co-mingles in our lives and where everyone, where it can turn out to be a win-win for everyone. So we'll be right back. Hey, Dr. Linda here. Did you know that a recent Harvard study found that exposure to just four minutes of good news each day will make you 32% less anxious and 18% more optimistic? Just four minutes, we've all got that much time to devote to our worldview and our sense of flourishing. Yes, if you make a habit of learning about just one piece of remarkably good news each day, you can be the one in your circles with fresh insights ideas and a sense of strength okay so that takes care of the problem in our personal lives but what about our work environments we need to feel like we come alive there that we have meaning and purpose there well enter the goodness exchange for business for companies that want to create optimistic and values driven work cultures our content can give you a way to turn aspirational ideas like positivity into a concrete way of being in the workplace. In fact, employee retention and attraction may depend on your company's ability to nurture a tone of innovation, interesting collaborations, and possibility. And most importantly, the goodness exchange can meaningfully elevate your company's wellness efforts and benefits packages. Your work culture can be offering employees something new peace of mind and that sense of flourishing. Where employees' well being isn't just a perk, it's the way we care about the individuals in our workplaces. So, if you'd like to chat about infusing your culture with a tone of celebration about goodness and progress, we'd love to chat. Contact our CEO, Liesl. Her email address is info at goodnessexchange.com. Thanks. Hello, and we're back with Hannah Pang. Hannah is part of an amazing company that she started To help us as individuals connect with work that matters and help corporations find employees that care about their work and can advance their sustainability um, impact in in all kinds of ways. And I'm sure it's much more complex than that. We're going to hear more right now. But Hannah, let's start with this whole whole notion of for for as long as I, I have been alive and probably well before that, people in business pretty much structure everything around price and consumers structure everything around price but there's this opening up of an entirely new era i feel where we're we're saying yeah value comes from other things besides just how much it costs talk to us about that
0: definitely and i think we can come at this from so many different angles so from as we were talking about the consumer angle just looking at price is no longer enough Um, we, as we were talking about, people want to um, express themselves, express their values and the future that they want to buy into through the the brands that they choose. So just looking at kind of creating products and thinking that consumers only care about price um, just as a very old school way of thinking that isn't super relevant anymore we need to really understand that our consumers are highly educated citizens and we need to treat them as such in our kind of communications to them as well i think to going back to our original conversation it's kind of similar to um, us as employees as well with these again 20th century management models that really um, are looking to extract value from people and and, and mm-hmm. often quite treating them as mach- as machines, looking at, okay, this individual is a unit of labor. How much can I get for that price for how much they're going to um, provide to me? Um, just isn't really considering how, are the human experience and how magical it is to be people on a really wonderful, beautiful planet where it's way more um, kind of complex and magical than that. So if we can look at, Um, us as consumers, citizens, employees, um, and take more into consideration and how we want to design our lives and our world and our work moving forward, incorporating a few more variables into that. I think that's what gets me really excited. Yeah, you know, and
1: I I think that there's a, um, a level of trust that I feel may be coming up in our society. We've gone sunk to new lows as far as lack of trust mm. in each other, in the business world, and so forth. But talk to us about how companies can and consumers can come together around this issue of trust. What, what's, what's available with this new way of thinking?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question, and it's something that we see a lot in the sustainability space. Um, again consumers want to trust brands, they want to turn to them as part of the solution. Um, But trust is really lacking when it comes to um, what consumers believe a brand is saying about the impact. So um, interestingly, a piece of research found that only 30% of adults, uh, at least just in Europe, um, only 30% actually trust companies when they say they will commit to reducing climate change. So there's a, a huge lack of trust here. So again, there's demand, but there isn't that follow through, and it has a lot to do with how brands are communicating about what they're doing. So on one hand, it is about that action. Are you actually taking action as a brand in a business to, to do better and to be better? And the second is, um, how are you telling us what you're doing. And so there's a big movement in the sustainability space, especially when it comes to communications around transparency and a transparent and transparency as a way to build trust. I think often what we found in sustainability and when um, brands and businesses are talking about their sustainability initiatives, it can often be positioned as if, um, you know, kind of, we've done it, we've solved it, we're sustainable now, here's our sustainable collection. Um, when as we know, sustainability is not kind of a checkbox thing and there is no 100% sustainable business that exists. So if you're communicating in that way, people just don't trust it because they know it's not true. So often what we find is quite helpful is if you are take a more honest approach and say, here's the journey that we're on. Here's where we're at right now. This is what we want to be working towards. Here's the plan of action. That is something that builds trust. And again, from another piece of research that we um, were a part of, we found that if a brand is honest about a, Um, a social or environmental kind of challenge that they're facing, Um, if they're honest about it, customers are either going to trust you the same or actually trust you more. So what's really interesting is now the risk of of hiding a sustainability challenge that you have, um, that risk is higher if you don't talk about it than if you are actually transparent and honest about it. Customers are likely to trust you more if you are open and honest about it.
1: Wow. Okay. So that opens new landscapes because what I was hoping you could also give us is a way to know who to trust. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I get asked that question all the time about the internet. And um and I would just love to to have your take on that. Like is there is there some way you can you can find out if corporations are really walking their talk?
0: I mean, there's a couple of um I suppose, kind of uh, quick wins, but I would say that it's not kind of a, a black and white um, thing. So there's a lot of incredible organizations who are who are actively working on this to um, kind of certify brands, to kind of give their stamp of approval. So if you're looking at, um, at a brand, we actually did some work recently with an organization called Positive Luxury, and yeah. they're looking, um, they're a certifier for uh, for luxury fashion um businesses and and for the industry so that's one way of doing it is if you find a third party who you kind of agree with what they're saying and what they stand for and they give their kind of stamp of approval that's one way of of doing it i think the other one given that we have access to all of the information in the world in our pockets and we as consumers you know, we're the most highly educated um, kind of generations of people ever. Um, you know, we do have the power to make decisions and find out information for ourselves. I think the thing that I always um, flag is if a, a, a company is talking about sustainability or their kind of conscious collection or green or eco, um, that's usually a red flag for me. What I... Really trust is when a brand's actually telling me about the specific actions that they are taking. So um, I think brand uh, or consumers now are so well educated and they have such a good kind of radar um, for feeling like like a brand's kind of hiding something. Um, yeah. If a brand can be really specific about what they're actually doing, and um, that's I would say a brand to trust, because then you can you know make a decision for yourself. Okay. Yeah. I can see what you're doing. You're showing me, you're telling me, you're not just kind of slapping a term on top of it and, and asking me to trust you. You're showing me so that I can mm-hmm. actually trust you.
1: And I think we can hear hard things. Um, you, mm. um, we, I love your point that, you know, we should do more embracing of the companies that share their struggles with us and share their, um, their measures to, to deal with that. And, Uh, it feels more real.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think it feels more human as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something that we've looked at a lot too, is if you think about um, what would make you trust another person, it's that they're honest with you and they're vulnerable with you. They're not always having the the facade that everything's perfect in my life. There's nothing wrong. I'm great. Like da, da, da. Um, And that's not how you build trust because you're not being vulnerable with another person. So I think if brands can, take a note from that book and say, okay, how can we um, really trust our customer and say, you know, this is us, this is what we're working on. This is what we're struggling with. Um, here's what we're doing to improve it, to address mistakes of the past. Um, that is what builds trust and build, brings people along on your journey with you as well so that, you know, they end up rooting for you. They want you to succeed. They want to keep you as a brand in in their lives. Um, how can you just be a bit more honest with them? Um, and treat them like a friend or like a mm-hmm. peer rather than, um, this kind of term, uh, customer education. They don't need to be educated. They're already highly, highly educated. Just speak to them like you would a, a friend or like another human.
1: Oh, that is so good. And it comes to this point, which I, I hadn't really thought about till our pre-call, but you know, most of us know there is some level of greenwashing going on it and that greenwashing thing can be so discouraging. And confusing, and it can make us tune out and cause apathy. But there's this other side of that coin that I never thought about, is the green hushing. I think that's something that we can... Okay, with greenwashing, I understand that just because some company puts a label eco-friendly or whatever on their product doesn't tell me anything. But green hushing, that part I can do something about. Mm. Talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, totally. And I I think as well, just to I find it reassuring. There is so much more regulation coming into play with greenwashing um, and claims. So, there's a lot of work being done to um, help reduce that. On the green hushing side of things, the idea of that is a brand actually hiding what they're doing when it comes to making a positive impact because they're worried um, about backlash or someone's going to call them out. And I think the um, of harm of that is that then we're not kind of normalizing sustainability as a journey that every business needs to be on. um, And we're not normalizing the idea that, sustainability, again, it's not a checkbox exercise or something that you accomplish or complete. Um, It is a a journey. It's something that we constantly need to be working on. There's constant room for improvement. As we see brands grow and evolve, new problems in the world come up, um, it's something that is much more dynamic than to say, okay, yes, we're done. So with green hushing, we really want to encourage brands and businesses to talk about what they're doing, to be transparent about Mm -hmm. um, the challenges that they're facing, and also their wins, what they have been able to achieve, because that's the other side of it is um, if you've done something and you've learned how to do something, if you're talking about how you've done it, that then just equips and enables way more brands and businesses to say, okay, that's possible. Um, Let me reach out and see, you know, how they did it. Maybe that means I can do it for my business too.
1: It's so huge. And, you know, um, this cancel culture can, can, can really set things back sometimes as well. So we have to be very careful which narrative we're adding to. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think especially in the sustainability space, we often find that um, companies who are ahead of the curve and are taking really good action, because they haven't solved everything else in their business, they get called out for it, Um, which, you know, I think it is important to make sure, um, again, they're not positioning their one incredible sustainability initiative as the be all and end all. If they say, okay, you know, this is what we're working on. We know we have a long way to go, but we're really excited about the progress that we've made so far. I think that's that's the way to, to approach it rather than saying, okay yes you've done this one thing but um you know shame on you for for everything else we need to be looking at how do we totally transition and help transform entire businesses so i think it's a bit of yeah from both sides brands need to be kind of a bit more um, humble and honest in their communications when they're talking about their approaches to making an an impact Um, and also for for us as um, observers of brands and businesses and consultants and help and helpers and also as as customers ourselves you know how can we ask them questions rather than necessarily pointing fingers
1: mm-hmm. okay so this is a perfect time for me to ask you something that that we're in a place where you and i intersect so i'm always talking to people about being very careful and paying attention to what they're giving their attention to so, in this world of sustainability, there's there's lots of, and in our in our future, crisis or bright, depending on which narrative you're going for, and so forth. Whew, there's a lot of noise, <laughs> and then we've got on top of that the doom and gloom, negative media, constantly pointing out what's wrong with the world. Um, so we're going to hear a lot more about businesses that are from a negative standpoint that aren't doing enough or what have you. Um, But you have this great, beautiful concept that you talked to me a little bit about, and I'd like to go there here for a few minutes in a real personal way. You taught me quite a few things about how we, how we tune ourselves in on the future that we'd like to get to. Talk to us about how this, we can change this sense of doom and gloom to this Mm. sense of looking for bits and parts of the future we want to get to as an individual.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think, I mean, on, on, um, one side of things, we do a lot of work with businesses and their creative teams. We do a lot of education with creative agencies on how do you actually start talking about the future in a, in a positive way how do you showcase that better more abundant future for everyone through your communications Um, and then on an individual side as well i mean i I was sharing with you um i had an experience recently where i just got the threads app the new meta app from from instagram called threads and so i opened the up opened up the app and it asked me if i wanted to follow everyone who i was already following on instagram and i thought about it for a second said okay that yeah that would be easy um but I also then had a thought, what if this was an amazing opportunity for me to kind of reset and recurate the content that I wanted to um, be consuming? How can I sub- only subscribe and follow the accounts and the type of content that really put me in that kind of positive future focused mindset um, i'm sure it's a lot of the people who i follow now are probably the people who've been on on your podcast um, but i thought you know if we can be really um of quite mindful of what we're consuming as well, again, that's, and you know, you said it to me as well, kind of your, um, your click is, is your vote. So if I can kind of only be following and choose to proactively follow the folks and, and accounts who um, really resonate with the future that I want to be a part of, um, then that's helping to curate my mindset and my energy um, that I'm going to then bring throughout my day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a very early interview. We'll put this one in the, in the uh, show notes too. I did with a wonderful influencer, Julia Parsec, and um, she's a bigger woman. And she just, one day she looked at her Instagram account and she looked at all the people she was following and she realized how, how bad they made her feel <laughs> about her body image.
0: <laughs> she just Oh my gosh. Totally. Went, she, she,
1: yes. Like she found herself following things that that society had taught her should be aspirational for us all how thin can we be how beautiful can our nails be oh, what our six pack abs all the crazy stuff <laughs> that society somehow gets in here and she just said that's it i'm anybody who makes me look at their posting and feel less than i'm going to unfollow
0: totally totally and
1: and when she the numbers i always say to people if you really look at what you're clicking on your click is a vote if you really look at what you're clicking on, you could probably do without 80% of it, 80%. And she, um, and you would be just fine and you would be left <laughs> with the things that matter in the world. And she found the exact same thing. She unfollowed about 80% of the people that she was following because they made her feel less than.
0: Totally. And if you think about, or at least this is how I think about it. I th- I mean, I think being alive and being a human is like amazing. It's like, it's so cool. Humans, humans are wonderful. Um, And if I think about my kind of one human lifetime and experience, I am not here and I'm not built, I'm not designed to feel bad and feel overworked and overstressed and feel like a machine. Um, I am here to live a really beautiful life on an abundant, magical planet. So if I can live in a way, work in a way, consume content in a way that aligns with how I believe, you know, we should be living or even, you know, how I want to be living. Um, then, you know, that's, that's my personal strategy. <laughs>
1: it's super. It's super. You even talked about, um, I loved all the little, little tidbits you threw in there. So I appreciate you sharing. You talked about decolonizing your bookshelf.
0: Yes. So this whole, um, I guess thought originated, or the the idea of really curating the content that I'm consuming, um, came from uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of the people that I followed um, encouraging me, encouraging people, encouraging their audiences to decolonize their bookcases. So um, looking at all of the books, all of the knowledge that you're consuming and um, interrogating who is that coming from? Is it one type of person, Uh, probably an old white man? And how can you just diversify the perspectives um, that you're learning from, that's going kind to of really, you know, way better equip you to tackle kind of all of the um, tackle the day, tackle work, look at the problems that we that we have, and just give you a much better understanding of how the world actually actually is and how the world actually works. And I think it just proves that um, the world isn't working for majority of people. And so what an incredible opportunity for us all to um, say, how do we want the future to look like what do we want the future to look like how do we want to get there and how can we make sure we're bringing everyone along with us
1: i love it i love it y- you have <laughs> it's kind of like what if we all just said we're going to only hit the subscribe buttons that are going to lead to a brighter future right like we just Gave, gave away our sort of morbid <laughs> curiosity and our anger and our sadness instead of following those impulses over a cliff in our online lives oh this could be super good <laughs> okay so back to the now work okay so related to all that tell tell us what all that that last bit of our conversation makes you think about the now work
0: yeah i think for um us we end up as I mentioned, doing a lot of work with creatives and we have a lot of creatives on our platforms as well. Um, So uh, we think about both we often call it the footprint and the brain print. So the footprint of a business is okay. Your material impact on people on the planet. We have loads of people on our platform who can help you measure that, who can help you develop a strategy of how you are going to reduce that and um, help you implement those, those plans to look at, okay, how do you, as a business, your operations, how can we make it better? And then on the brain print side of things, how can we, as a brand and a business actually create new cultural norms um, that help us understand what a better future can look like and help us have more of that type of content that we can you know actually subscribe to so we do a lot of work um, to help up level and upskill creatives um, marketers communicators brand teams um, on exactly that how do we actually curate and build that type of creative content that we can then have out in in the world. I think we always say creators, communicators are the architects of desire. So if we can help equip them to help look at what should be aspirational and how do we make a more sustainable, abundant future something that we all are aspiring to, um, rather than feeling like we have to subscribe to an apocalyptic doom and gloom one, that's a massive opportunity for brands and businesses and creators and marketers and communicators um, to look at how can they really leverage their skill set and their superpowers to help enable that better future for all
1: lovely okay as we start to wind down here you and i uh, um came in in connection with each other through something that i think is relevant here as we go through this process of trying to think better and think differently we're 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 left with old habits about the way we think about things or the, the opinions we came to. Uh, but there's this great way that you and I have connected that I want to mention to people here. So I was introduced to Hannah via an organization called street wisdom. So street wisdom, you got to check them out. We've done an article about them on the goodness exchange, and I'll put that in the show notes. And then we've interviewed the, the founder, David Pearl, Street wisdom is this incredible way of thinking about the world as a teacher, I would say. And Hannah, you can expand on this. In any case, they are um, motivating a world of people, many, many thousands of people, to use, to walk out into streets and take a walk and let the world speak to you. It's very hard to describe, um, but <laughs> it's a series of like 10, five, um, ten minute uh, little podcasts audios that um, take you through kind of a lead experience walking out in the streets around you. And they are doing something called the Worldwide Wander on September 29th of this year in 2023. And Hannah's company and the Goodness Exchange, we're both supporters of this worldwide effort to get people to just go out to the streets and let the streets fill you with new ideas, thoughts, connection, feelings of hope, all that. Talk to me about what you think about the Worldwide Wander. Why Why are you guys supporting it?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I think the whole um, kind of premise of Street Wisdom is just so beautiful and really um, fascinating. So the idea is that you um, kind of all, you gather together and then you ask the streets a question. You go for a, a bit of a wander around the street and you just tune in and listen to Um, what the streets are telling you so that could be a sign that you see or you bump into someone or or whatever happens Um, but you set the intention that you know you want an answer to this question Um, and then you see what what the world responds to you with I think it's a really beautiful way of um, kind of tapping into your own intuition and also kind of your just kind of bigger trust in the universe Um, that we're constantly getting so many different kind of Messages and pings, and I think um, a lot of the kind of structures that we've been talking about that kind of keep us um, kind of contained and, and don't necessarily work for us anymore as humans. Um, this is a whole new way to think about. Um, Problem solving and tapping in and tuning into again the magic of your own humanness and also the magic of the planet and the universe and the world um, that we're in. So um, I really love and connect with that um, kind of uh, ethos of of street yeah. wisdom. And with the World Wander, they are doing kind of a 24 hour kind of version of this and getting people from all over the world to participate. Um, so we're really excited to join the, uh, the London Wander um, that they're going to have here and to be uh, one of the partners for that.
1: It's hard to explain. It's not spooky. It's yeah. just. Uh...
0: <laughs> it's not spooky it's, at all.
1: <laughs> no, it's just a way of giving your mind permission to, to feel and listen and um, observe. And then the, the, then wonderful new thoughts and connections pop into your mind. So I just wanted to mention that because I wanted to thank Philip and, and, um, and, uh, of course, David Pearl for introducing us. So as we wrap up here, you know, one of the questions I always like to ask thought leaders like yourself is if this interview had only been three minutes long, what do you really wish people knew Hannah like when like all seems like too crazy and so forth (laughs) I have my little thing I really wish people knew how about you
0: yeah it's a really good question I would say mine's quite um I guess uh Yeah, conceptual to to think about. But it really is this idea that the systems, the structures, the narratives, the cultural norms that we all live by and subscribe to, both consciously and unconsciously, um, they are designed. They have been designed. And that means they can be redesigned. Um, And at The Now Work, we are really looking at... um, how work gets done, those systems and structures by which we show up and and do our our work in the world, um, and we can design new ways of working that actually enable us as people to be thriving rather than to be kind of so consistently burnt out. There's ways of working where we can thrive, um, and that also then unlocks and enables even more creative solutions to some of the world's biggest challenges that we're facing as well. So the idea that um, kind of these, again, 20th century management models that so many organizations are still subscribed to and so many of us are are operating under, they are no longer fit for purpose for the world um, that we have today and for the future that we want to move towards. Um, And I think looking at the rise and, and focus of The well-being of sustainability practitioners and the folks who are experts and dedicated to doing this type of work is an increasing agenda item and looking at um yeah what are those new systems and structures and narratives that um that really enable and help people and especially sustainability practitioners to be thriving at work so they can make more of a positive impact and help us um, kind of fast track getting to that better um, more sustainable future for all so We need new ways of working that are better for people and also for the impact that we want to have. So hopefully if, um, if we only have three minutes, that is what I would say.
1: Oh, that is beautiful. That's a beautiful thought. All right. So what happens to have has to happen next? What do you want people to do? If people are part of an organization that needs some outside help for a, a project or so, or if people have the skills and they want to connect with organizations that need those skills related to sustainability in pretty much any way, what do they do next?
0: Totally. Yeah, I think it's those two things. So we need more world-changing people. Um, So if you work in sustainability, if you want to work in sustainability, please do sign up and join our community. Um, So yes, we can connect you with projects and jobs um, and that can range from really short term projects or advisory work all the way to much longer term projects Um, or if you work in sustainability and impact and you just want a community of other impact driven people um, please do also join our network too even if you do already have a full-time job in the space we still want to have you in we do events we have um, things that we call skill shares um, which are webinars that people from our network give I have to say the um the people on our network, on our platform are so incredible. They really are the world's experts in sustainability and impact um, and we want to help up level and upskill our entire network so um, we have folks from our community come and give workshops um, and trainings and, and lectures on their expertise um, we share loads of resources and um, we have a really active slack channel too so um, if you work in this space or want to work on this space please do join the network and then yes we also need more world-changing work so if you work at an organization or a corporate or a startup or an NGO um, and you need help with sustainability or anything in the impact space, um, whether that's really technical support, um, like kind of life cycle analysis, things like that. If you need help with brand purpose, if you need help with creative campaigns, um, please do get in touch. We have um, kind of 500 people in our network at the moment who are here to help. They are the experts. They've done this before and they know what they're doing. Um, And we're also still working with organizations to look at how they can better enable impact and well-being for their teams too. Um, So any kind of work in that realm send them our way <laughs> oh that is so
1: expensive thank you so so much hannah pang um I, I can't thank you enough for just being being one of those people that's creating something new in the world that really matters and will get, go out like i said over the scope of time in ripples that we won't even be able to see but we know that they that there they will be and there we will be if we're part of that movement
0: Totally. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really appreciate it and love speaking with you. Well, it
1: was a delight. I hope we can find ways of crossing over again. Uh, I'm going to be a part of the World by Wonder as you will will be. So I'll see you there. Um, so folks, uh, the Goodness Exchange is full of the most astonishing ideas and people and things that you can connect to that prove that the world is still an amazing place. I hope you'll enjoy the connections to goodness and progress that and I shared with you today. And throughout your week, you'll find all the joy and wonder that we've been talking about. Have a great week.